Today, we're going to look at another question that's helpful for us as we explore this concept of the discipling calling. And we are specifically asking, how should we disciple? Hello and welcome to another session in our new uh, teaching series, which we've titled Band of Disciples. And we're looking at this concept of how do we get better at discipling others? And we thought one of the easiest approaches to understanding uh, uh, our um job as disciples and to understand Christianity in a simple way is to consider the concept of a band. They, musicians are, are musicians not because uh, they've you know, learned uh, about it at school or were pressured to practice it. They see themselves as musicians and that fuels their energy in order to do what musicians would do and to uh, learn what musicians would need to learn in order to do what they're required to do. The, um, the umbrella that is undergirding everything that they're doing is that they see themselves as certain type of people. And we said that's what discipling is all about. It's about helping people in the process of seeing themselves as little Jesuses in the world, and that would lead them and motivate them and fuel their energy to do what Jesus would do and to know what Jesus would have them know. The purpose that we have in this entire series is to equip you with simple biblical and educational strategies to assist you as you embark on your calling of making disciples for Jesus, wherever you may be. And we mentioned that this series is divided into three mini-series, if you like. The first uh, part of our teaching sessions is looking at the discipling calling. This, the next part, uh, in few uh, times, we'll be looking at the discipling community. And finally, at the end, we're going to be looking at some competencies associated with discipling. Today, we're going to look at another question that's helpful for us as we explore this concept of the discipling calling. And we specifically asking, how should we disciple? How should we disciple in such a way uh, that helps people become a certain type of people in the world? If we motivated by our biblical mandate, by the discipling method that Jesus used, by the genuine multiplication that comes by investing in the few, uh, by, by the reality that discipling is probably the only way that we're going to uh, see a qualitative difference in the life of Christians, not just affirm, uh, uh, assertions and beliefs in the mind or modification of behavior, but a, a way of living that's attractive, that's beautiful, that resembles the maturity um, that, that, that Jesus came and deposited His Spirit within us uh, so that we could live like Him in the world and resemble the image that God created us to bear. So the question now is, how should 
we disciple. And you know, based on your experiences, uh, based on your observations, uh, based on uh, you know your current um, Christian environment, you have probably a, a particular set of of activities or programs or approaches that you use to disciple others. And maybe your approach uh, is very effective in what you do. And for that, we are utterly grateful for your investment in the people of God, wherever you may be. The sad news, though, you might be a unique uh, uh, you know, case in the midst of what researchers are telling us, uh, the overarching um, you know, condition of the church in the West. Uh, we're not doing terribly well with our discipling approaches. In fact, in one of the books called you know, uh, Transformative Discipleship, uh, the authors write this confronting quote. They say, some discipleship models deployed by churches may not have the slightest resemblance to what is possible in delivering transformation to people. May not have the slightest resemblance to what is possible in delivering transformation to people. That's quite confronting. And that's come out of uh, their empirical research in uh, Christians, born-again Christians in the United States of America. Why is that the case? Aren't we all doing the same thing that ought uh, to deliver uh, um, you know, Christians who live like Jesus in the world? Like you probably are aware of, of Christian environments who uh, uh, primarily do the same thing. You know, we preach the word in worship services, in midweek services. Uh, we, we have mentoring programs. We have in-depth Bible studies, maybe uh, as, a, as a cluster or, or as a small group or a growth group, whatever you may, may call it. We, we have ministry activities where people are developed into, uh, you know, whether inside the church or outside the church, volunteering for the needs of people in their communities, going over and above the call of duty to engage with, you know, the uh, religious activities, whatever the tradition may be. Uh, you know, some of us say, you know, it's, it's, it requires just friendship and fellowship so people can uh, grow together as followers of Jesus. I remember uh, a friend was telling me once that in their Christian environment, uh, the leader said to them, listen, this is not about the Bible. Uh, this is about building friendship with the groups of people, the group of people that you're meeting with on a fortnightly basis. Because if people feel connected, they will keep coming to the church. And if they keep coming to the church, they're going to be developed over time. I imagine with through osmosis or something. And others say, you know what? No, you don't develop um, in, in such a way. Uh, you need resources. So they give people books and podcasts and 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 you know maybe even do courses or or self uh, driven uh, directed studies whatever it might be uh, others say you know all of you guys are mistaken because you you've turned this whole Christianity into a, a very structured curriculum and program that's that's not good we we want to be organic we just want to grow as we as, as just we embrace life and 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 in you know share our experiences 
because we just want to be organic and free from the limitation of a curriculum. And really, if you boil all those approaches down uh, from an educational perspective, they fit into four quadrants. Some people uh, put a heightened value on the curriculum. Others put a heightened value on the learner, that is the, the disciple, the Christian. Other people put uh, value on the process of their development. Others place value on the purpose or the end result, the teleos of, of their development. Whatever it might be, you'll find most of our activities fall based on two um, uh, preferred uh, approaches over the others. So if you value curriculum and you want people to change over time, primarily change their understanding and their reason, you want to push down, uh, uh, you know, push to them resources, um, you know, to read, information to study, sermons to listen to, uh, Bible studies that, that, that may dig deeper into a theological uh, understanding. Uh, you know, you believe that knowledge would help these people uh, be formed in a particular way, uh, you know, that would, would produce development over time. Other people say, no, 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 we, we can't just build people's knowledge, knowledge puffs up. We want to change the way people behave. We want to give them skills. We want to help them to know how. So their curriculum, so to speak, is all about how to do things differently, practices and approaches to do life differently so that they are trained, so to speak. They're being coached. And, and, and they, the, the, the idea is that they change their behavior. They've got enough skills to change change their behavior and maintain the status quo uh, that we have in our community. So, uh, we, you know, we, we, we live in a particular way that maintain uh, a style or a, or, or a perceived model of behavior. Others who prefer, you know, the, 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 the social uh, purpose of changing the world and they focus on the learner or the disciple as a potential, as, as, as someone that is going to, uh, you know, uh, produce that change. Their whole concept is how to envision you for a change. So they provide a vision, an idea of how can you change the world? And the whole concept here, you're, you, you're an agent of change and you see the bad, the social um, uh, difficulties and, uh, and, and uh, lack of justice and all of that. And, and they want you to be an activist because that's what it means uh, to grow and develop. Others would say, no, 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 we want, to, uh, we want to work on the learner as a potential. We want them to be in the process of continuous development. Like we don't have a goal as such. We just want them to develop over time. So let it be organic. And uh, let them share their experiences in their uh, friendship groups or whatever group that they might find themselves. And guess what? They just uh, you're gonna grow and develop and be uh, all that they meant to be in terms of self-actualization, so to speak. So we've got different activities that fit in each of those quadrant based on the purpose uh, that we have for the disciples. And the reality is. In a research completed by Willow Creek called the Reveal 
research, they surveyed 11,000 born-again Christians uh, in seven churches in the United States. And they conducted 120 one-on-one in-depth interviews with experts. And they concluded that uh, involvement in church activities does not predict or derive long-term spiritual growth. So despite of the fact that we engage people in diversity of church activities, it's not working. Why? Are these activities bad? Not at all. These activities are helpful. In fact, all these activities are helpful when they are aligned to a desired outcome. Like you want the activity to match the outcome. If that's your purpose and you use this activity, just understand that's what you get. So if you want, if your purpose is to have more knowledgeable Christians who, um, you know, um, have incredible theological uh, understanding of, uh, of biblical studies, of, um, you know, doctrines and the like, well, it, it makes sense that your activity will heighten this knowledge uh, concept that you would give them more seminars and, and sermons and podcasts and studies. It makes makes sense. So the idea is not that activities are the problem. Uh, What we need to know is what are we trying to achieve and is this activity aligned to this uh, this purpose? Will this activity actually produce the desired outcome? That's really what we're looking at. And this is not just a Christian thing. You and I know in our day-to-day activities, uh, that's natural. If you want to train somebody to do a a specific task with a desired outcome, you got to make sure that the training experience, the vehicle of development is actually equivalent or aligned to or, um, you know, uh, conducive of the uh, outcome that you want. I want to I wanna tell you about my uh, own training being a musician. Okay, then laugh. My kids, when I sing at church, uh, they uh, politely and courteously, they say, you know what, Dad? It will be helpful next week that when the church is singing, that you would just sing softly or sing inwardly. And uh, in their opinion, it was uh, singing out loud uh, with uh, my um, mu- musical capability. That was a sure recipe for decline in the church. You know, there are uh, strategies for church growth. This was definitely uh, a church decline strategy. So they say, please don't sing out loud in the church. I tell you what, I was set, uh, you know, I was really uh, looking for loopholes to get our worship band uh, leader to allow me to play the drums. And and I kept begging and asking, I, I want to play the drums. And they would say, you know what, just stick to what you know how to do and, and just leave us alone. And I, I was too embarrassed to tell them, you know what, and I, I, this is just between me and you, I haven't told anyone. When I was young in primary school back in Cairo, Egypt, I was on the drumming uh, band at school. I don't know about you growing up, but at school in Egypt, we had like hundreds of kids. And we used to line up in the morning in, you know, two, two people in the same line. So we're about 60 kids in, in every class and you would line up 
in a two by two. And once we hear all the announcements and, and all of that, we would march, you know, like this, like a military group. We would march to our classes and, and that was, you know, a huge number of students. So the music team had to play the drum uh, for a long period of time. And, and you wore that, that, that drum, you know, around your neck and it was like a thing and you bam, bam, bam. I was great at it. And just in case you think that I was an amateur, no, I was well trained. Every week we would have a, um, a period and then after the school once a week for the band, you know, the school band, the dum -ram -ram, we would actually have to go to the music room and be taught. You know, we would read the music notes or whatever they taught us. I've got no idea. And, and you know, we would practice. Practice. It was professional gig, you know. So what happened to me? You know, what, what where is that musically talented little uh, tiger there in his primary school years? How come he's now a strategy for church decline? You know what? Growing up, I saw myself as a soccer player, not as a musician. So I invested all my energy in perfecting uh, that profession. <laughs> and I completely stuffed up anything to do with music. I didn't see myself. At my core, I was an amuser. And that showed in the way I never really developed uh, 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 that ability. And if we are going to help people become like Jesus, we need to understand what they are in their core. In their core, not teach them uh, music or teach them information or teaching them theory or pressure them to modify their behavior. All of this comes as a result of them seeing themselves uh, differently. In our core, I would submit to you, we are a possibility. We are an image, an image built by God as we collaborate with His Spirit over time. You see, we are an image. We're the image of God. We can be, you know, in, uh, uh, we're not yet the image. We are already got the, the, the potentiality for, we already got the, the, the DNA. We're already uh, participators of divine, uh, 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 divine nature. But what we could become is, is in the making. We're work in progress. We're God's workmanship. You know, He's forming us as we collaborate with His Spirit. So we need to understand as our core that each single one of us is driven by an image. Uh, and and if, you, if we, Jesus people, were driven by the image of God that is telling us of our future based on our past, which is what in a, our interaction with God's Spirit that deposited within us capabilities that is beyond our natural, natural ability. And we live that in collaboration and obedience with God's Spirit. So when we have that understanding of the human being, then our discipling approaches are consistent 
with the goal that we're trying to reach. We're not trying to make knowledgeable people or modify people's behavior. We're trying to change the way people see themselves and reflect that and reveal that new image in day-to-day activity. You might say, Peter, where do you got that from? I want to share with you a passage from the scripture that would reveal that this is Uh, that we have two uh, potential ways of living our life. Uh, We have two potentialities within us. That means we have two um, capabilities. Sometimes they are opposing capabilities, and I explain why. We live the unfolding on one or the other, and sometimes, you know, one gets uh, stronger than the other uh, at some seasons, at some days, at some moments during the days. But ultimately, we reach an image that we have in mind, one or two images that I'll explain to you. And we learn and we develop as as things interrupt us, as uh, incidents come and interrupt us instead of us just walking blindly and living automatically in one way, something comes that makes us conscious of what am I living? What image am I portraying? Why am I uh, doing that? You see, it gives us an understanding to reflect on our experiences in life and redirect our trajectory for the future. I want to show you a passage from the scripture briefly that Paul highlights those two possibilities in the book or his letter to the Philippians. The book of Philippians was written while Paul was at prison. He was writing it to uh, essentially refute some of the uh, you know, Judaizers, the Jewish uh, believers who came in and, and want to tell there is a better way of following Jesus and they wanted to live uh, in, in, in the Old Testament essentially, uh, and Paul wrote to express uh, in, in, in one way or another that there are two different possibilities of living, and he writes that articulately in chapter 3, and this is what he says. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is not, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, circumcision means the Jews, who we, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. In a nutshell, Paul is saying to the Christians, be careful of these Jewish believers whom he called dogs. It's a pretty offensive word, but he was using potentially their own words. Uh, These Jewish people would consider the Gentiles as dogs. And the way of life of the Gentiles is dog life. And he was saying they, they are the dogs that are that are, are considering that you know if you're gonna be a Christian, you gotta live as a Jewish person, and if you're Gentile and you want to be a Christian, you yes, accept Jesus. Uh, yes, you know, uh, believe in Jesus. Yes, trust him wholeheartedly, but you have to live like a Jew. That means your faith does not impact the type of person that you are. There is a Jewish way of being in the world and there is a Christian way of being in the world 
but they were saying you can be a Christian by belief, but live like a Jew. Essentially, that's what they were saying. They would say, a way of living, live like a Jew. And Paul calls that living in the flesh. What does that mean? It means living uh, by my abilities and for my purposes, even if they have been sprinkled with some religious traditions and practices, but it's me who's living for my own self-glorification, essentially, because I, I, I really establish or assert myself by my performance, and I, and I really please God by the way I live, you know, as we, we read about it in the Gospels, you know, I fast and I give and I tithe, you know, look at me, God said, so that's living life, even though you might have received Christ, but live in a Jewish way of living. And Paul is saying, uh, you know, I could do that too. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, to live according to the, you know, me without Christ, I have more. I've been circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, like I'm genuine, man. In regard to the law of God, a Pharisee and Pharisees back in the day, the Pharisees were, were not considered hypocrites, uh, as we know they are in, in some of the uh, instructions of Jesus, but they were like the spiritual elite. They were really passionate and they, they were intricate in their obedience of the law. And Paul is saying, I was a Pharisee, man. I, I had every reason to live that Jewishness. As for zeal, I was even persecuting the Christians. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. You know, what Paul is saying in Adam, as a human being without Christ, I had potentiality. And these potentialities based on my human effort were being unfolded. And guess what? I'm going to have A plus in the sight of God at the end. I'm going to be uh, the big deal, the big hoo-ha. You see, and that's the reality of these Jewish false teachers. And Paul is saying, but I had an experience. That it changes things for me. So he had that, you know, interruption to his experiences that made him rethink his own uh, vision and desire and attitude in life. And he says it here. He says, but whatever we gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ who met him on the Damascus road. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things that he all lost the old life. I consider them garbage, which is actually interpreted dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Be found in him. Paul is saying there's another way of living life and that's being in Christ. That means in Christ is a word that is used 100, over 160 times in the, in the scripture. And it means be united to Christ. That me and him indwell. There's mutual indwelling. Uh, there is a, 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 a way of the divine is united by grace with my humanity. And Paul is saying, I have another potentiality. In Christ potentiality. I have a Christ capability. I have a Christ possibility of way of being a certain type of person in the world. I've been given everything I need for that. And he's saying, but I'm not just taking it for granted. He says, I want to know Christ. 
that means intimately. I want to know the power of his resurrection. That means the new life that's within him and participate in his suffering. Like I want to be so united to him, becoming like Christ in his death. So somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, that life of the resurrection, eventually the glorification. Not that I have already obtained all of this, he says, or have already arrived at my goal. No, no, no. But I press on to take hold of what that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Notice, he's saying in Christ he has all that he needs. And that's that's my potentiality. That's my capability. But he didn't stop there. He's saying in order for that to unfold in my daily activities, in order for that to be practical reality in my life, guess what? I want to see the resurrection power of Jesus uh, manifested through me and I want to be like him. And I do this by striving towards the goal, I press on. I take hold of what Jesus took hold of me. So the unfolding of that life in Christ, it comes to pass based on the divine energy of the Spirit, the power of the resurrection that abides in us and the human effort. And Paul is saying, once that's unfolded, have a look at this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. But one thing I do, and that's the, that's the human uh, collaboration, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. What is ahead, Paul? He says, I press on towards that goal, the telos, the purpose to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I have an image that is going to be manifested in, in the heavenlies one day. That's what God has called me to from creation and through the redemption of Christ that I will become like Christ. I will live out the image. All commentators say the goal is Christ's likeness now. Uh, 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 you know, lived in imperfection, but then in eternity where it fully be manifested. Paul is saying, I have a potentiality, a way of living in Christ that requires me to collaborate with the Spirit so it can unfold on in a daily experience and eventually God will be glorified. I wouldn't be an A+, plus. I'll be a J+. Plus. I'll be a little Jesus being manifested in the world and for eternity because we're going to be transformed into His likeness. He will change our lowly bodies into His glorious body. And that's the goal that we reach to. That's what we strive for. We live with a future self in mind in the present because of our potentiality. We live as Christ-like people because we receive Christ-like nature and we live that with imperfection in our present enabled by the Holy Spirit. We need a holistic disciple strategy that builds our personhood, our being, not just construct knowledge and modifies behavior. And that way can only happen to build personhood, to be a type of person in the world. You have to be part of a community that become your mirror, that shows you what you're like because you can't see it without Christ 
himself and his life and his life lived in his body. That's why we call it the body of Christ, the community of like-minded, wholehearted uh, disciples of Jesus. And that we're going to take over the next uh, few periods, um, especially when we talk about discipling communities and show you how that is so powerful of building who we are and seeing ourselves and changing our desire to want to be like Jesus, not to be us without Jesus. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. We're praying for you, trusting God to transform your life, to be a discipler that helps people to live like Jesus in the world. Until we see you next time, be blessed.